There's still a lot of people in this country trying to figure out whose fault it is that we're in this quarantine lockdown pandemic. And if you turn on the media or listen to a Democrat, they're going to blame Donald Trump. Nancy Pelosi recently said that Trump's denial and delay on coronavirus is deadly. But sure enough, you'll see other people point the finger at Democrats and say the Democrats were ignoring this and they were distracted by impeachment. Mitch McConnell says that the impeachment distracted government from coronavirus threat. Now, there's some blame to go around, but let me just stop before I get into this and the partisan bickering and say China is to blame. Let's be real. They lied. They downplayed this. They withheld evidence. And it got really, really bad for everybody. But I will say, when we want to look at the response to everything that happened here in the United States, yes, we can criticize the president. And I think he is deserving of some criticism. It may be that his early downplaying was an attempt to prevent panic, or it could just be they thought the media was lying. But everybody downplayed this. The media downplayed this, except some Republicans did not. Many conservative outlets were calling this out. So if you want to actually talk about how this got bad, then the fault really does lie with some conservatives, but many Democrats. You see, this is a hilarious self-own for Nancy Pelosi, not so much Mitch McConnell, because McConnell is right. It's absolutely true that while this crisis was getting worse around the world, Donald Trump had already acted to create the coronavirus task force and to put some restrictions on Chinese uh, on travel from China. And what were the Democrats doing? Impeachment. So the reason why this is a cell phone is for one, because of that, but also Nancy Pelosi is blaming Trump saying denial and delay on the coronavirus response when they weren't doing anything, literally just trying to impeach the man and then blaming him for slowing things down. But here's the best part. Joe Biden, what was he tweeting about the day before Donald Trump formed his task force? Impeachment. The day after Donald Trump formed his task force, what was Joe Biden tweeting about? Impeachment. And, and for the next month or so, when people were debating coronavirus in the media and with Donald Trump, what was Joe Biden talking about? Climate change. And then when it actually came down to Donald Trump taking hard action, what did Joe Biden do? Call Donald Trump xenophobic and criticize the things he was doing to stop the coronavirus outbreak. If you want to blame Trump, you're, you, you do it with my blessing. We don't know if someone else would have done a better job. Some people say, you know, anyone would have done a better job. Others say, no, Trump is doing the best anyone could have done. But there's one thing we absolutely know for sure. Joe Biden would have done a substantially worse job. Donald Trump put restrictions on travel with China in January. And Joe Biden, like a month or two later, started criticizing travel restrictions. Restrictions that Dr. Fauci said perhaps saved us and really helped us stop the flow of coronavirus, although it is still getting bad. If Joe Biden was president, he would have dragged his feet even more because he doesn't want to be xenophobic, right? Look, I don't know exactly what Joe Biden would have done. But for Nancy Pelosi to come out and criticize Trump for dragging his feet on this when he took action before they did and they were obsessed with impeachment and even Joe Biden was not on, was not on board with this while Donald Trump was, by all means, criticize the president, but they did a worse job. So we're going to get into the partisan bickering because I think it's fair to say Look, even when it comes to Pelosi, you can criticize the Democrats for dragging their feet. But Bill de Blasio does deserve a lot more of the blame here. And I'll, I'll throw some shade his way. But we're going to talk about the presidential election. And before we get started, I want to I want to cap off this intro by just saying I have substantially more respect for Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden than I do for China. And as much as I'm going to be critical of them, I want to make sure you all realize that 95% of the blame on everything comes from China. And then the Democrats take a small percentage and Trump takes a smaller percentage. Let's just make that clear. 
because now we're going to get into the partisan bickering. But I want to make sure our focus is, you know, is, is based in reality. We all know China uh, lied, downplayed this, and that's why it got really, really bad. But if, but if the Democrats want to play the game of calling out Donald Trump and blaming him for this, I'm going to show you some evidence. It's just not fair. You know, Tom Cotton, a Republican, was calling for a travel ban on like January 28th, and he was raising warning, uh, warning flags about this for a long time. And he was criticized, and Facebook was taking down his posts. Yes, the Democrats ignored this. They focused on impeachment, and they deserve more blame for dragging their feet. Let me just put it one more, say it one more time before we get started. If Pelosi wants to criticize Trump for dragging his feet, he was doing more than they did. From the Hill, Trump's denial, delay on coronavirus response is deadly. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is share this video. Helps my channel grow. YouTube is not too kind to political commentary these days. They derank and demonetize. You know how it goes. But subscribe, hit the like button. It really, really does help. And hit the notification bell if you want to make sure you get all my videos when they come up every day at 4 p.m. Let's read what Nancy Pelosi had to say. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said Sunday, President Trump's delay and denial in responding to the coronavirus pandemic has had deadly consequences for Americans. His denial at the beginning was deadly. His delaying of getting equipment to where it needed is deadly. And now the best thing would be to do, uh, the, the best thing would be to do is to prevent more loss of life rather than open things up so that because we just don't know, Pelosi said on CNN's State of the Union, asked about her thoughts on the administration considering relaxing federal guidelines for less affected parts of the country. Pelosi said the U.S. should be taking every precaution. I don't know what the purpose of that is, she said, adding that she doesn't know what the scientists are telling Trump. Well, Donald Trump wanted to open things up by the 12th because you would have to be blind to ignore the economic consequences of what's going to happen if we shut everything down. People will lose their lives. Businesses will be destroyed and they will never come back and people will suffer. We have to make sure, as Trump said, the cure is not worse than the disease. Dr. Fauci, everyone seems to love, said that April 12th is an aspirational goal and the president is trying to give people hope. Yes, that's the most honest interpretation. Trump really does want to get things open again. No, he doesn't want to just make corporate profits like the left would argue. I think he's genuinely like the economy tanking is really bad for everybody. And then Trump went and extended the lockdown until April 30th. We'll see what happens. I'm willing to bet it gets extended further. But Trump, in my opinion, is trying to give people a light at the end of the tunnel. In fact, I think he's been doing a pretty good job of things. And most people in this country agree. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, Bill de Blasio and Joe Biden have been doing a terrible job of things. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats obstructed the stimulus bill for about a week and they put in a bunch of bloat and some nonsense about I'm not even gonna get into it. okay? but let's just say they wanted a bunch of money stuffed into this bill. And so they held it up and that's holding up the economy. Now, there's a bunch of garbage in this bill. I'm not a fan of a lot of people were angry that the bill got passed in the first place, be it Republican or Democrat provisions. But What you need to understand, we have to kickstart the economy because we're watching in other countries food shortages and food rioting. It's starting. We we take this very seriously. People need to have money to buy food. Let's read a little bit more. As the president fiddles, people are dying. We just have to take every precaution, she added. The speaker also criticized Trump for his remarks last week at the signing of the stimulus bill. I'm not super concerned about that. Let's see what Mitch McConnell had to say, because there's another... Well, there's something else I want to point out. Nancy Pelosi wants essentially another investigation of Trump. You see, these people are obsessed. We have a serious global crisis. We had a crisis before the impeachment, or I'm I'm sorry, during your impeachment, which wasted all of our time and distracted everybody. And now they're saying once we're done, we're going to do it again. You know what, man? Let let me tell you guys something. 
I got a text message from someone campaigning for a Democrat. This dude seems like an all right guy. I don't want to say who necessarily. I don't want to, you know, put out people's private information. But I get a bunch of these. They're like hot calls, I guess, or hot texts or whatever they're. People see my information. They send me a text saying, would you like to support this person? I'll tell you exactly what I said. You know what, man? I'm not a fan of some of these Republicans. Uh, Policy-wise, I lean a little to the left. But I'm not going anywhere near the Democratic Party at this point. You know why? I'm concerned. I fear that I don't, I don't know who you are. You could be the nicest guy in the world. You could be a moderate with strong opinions, want to bring people together. That's great. But giving money to the Democratic Party means, means Nancy Pelosi doing what she did last time. All these moderates that got elected under the premise of fighting for kitchen table issues then just went on to support a nonsensical impeachment that everyone knew would fail and distract the nation while a global crisis was brewing. That's what I don't want to take part in. So I'm just out. I don't want to be involved with anybody's nonsense. But I'll tell you what, Donald Trump was right about China. Donald Trump was right about manufacturing. And Senator Tom Cotton was calling it out from the get go. So you want to talk about who was right? It was not the Democrats. Mitch McConnell calls out impeachment. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on Tuesday blamed the Democrats push to impeach President Trump in January for distracting the Trump administration from the threat posed by the coronavirus. I'm going to stop right here and say I agree for the most part, but I do think Trump and, and many people in Washington just weren't paying attention. That's, that's, the, that's the reality. Hindsight is 2020. I don't think the sole reason that uh, we had a slow response to this was because of Trump or because of impeachment for the most part. But I do think impeachment played a serious role in slowing things down because people weren't focused on what was happening around the world. It was, it was on the sidelines. And the media was absolutely obsessed with impeachment. And the media was downplaying the virus. I kid you not. I have stories to show you and we will go through them. But first, let's read. Quote, it came up while we were tied down in the impeachment trial. And I think it diverted the attention of the government because everything every day was all about impeachment, McConnell said in an interview on The Hugh Hewitt Show. Trump has kind of come under sharp criticism for the nation's slow response to the spreading pandemic, especially for the shortage of coronavirus testing kits when the virus first spread to the U.S. And that's about it. They, they show Mitch McConnell's point, And he's right. You know why? Nancy Pelosi and these other Democrats are absolutely obsessed with the orange man instead of the problems facing our country and the world. If you want to actually help American people, stop pretending that all of your problems are rooted in Donald Trump. Real clear politics. Pelosi will need after action review of Trump coronavirus response as the president fiddles people are dying. It's similar to the main story. Just another quote that wasn't included. What's an after action review? Is that is that threat of an investigation? You're going to dig into whether Donald Trump, you know, delayed things on purpose or why things were slow. No, I don't want to deal with this man. You know what? The Democrats need to get their head out of the sand and pay attention to what's going on in this country. They are self-owning with this one, and they don't seem to realize because, well, it was the Democrats that made this problem what it is. De Blasio haunted by weeks old tweet urging people to get out on the town despite the coronavirus. Now, I know Bill de Blasio is not a congressional Democrat, but he was running for president. So if we're going to pass the blame to anybody, we can talk about Donald Trump starting a task force in January, or we can talk about de Blasio in March telling people to go out and live your life like normal and get out of the town. And now New York is the hardest hit city in the nation, or it's the epicenter. So while New York flounders and they blame Trump for, the, for what's going on in the US, the reality is you've got local governments to blame for this as well. And while Donald Trump was warning us, slow as it may have been, 
he was still ahead of de Blasio. And more importantly, he was still ahead of Joe Biden. Here's a tweet from January 28th. Joe Biden says, let's remember one thing when it comes to impeachment. Donald Trump is on trial because he's afraid to run against me. He knows I'll beat him this November. A day later, Donald Trump formed a task force to deal with the coronavirus. And a day after that, Joe Biden once again was tweeting about getting Trump out of the White House. Why wasn't Joe Biden talking about the coronavirus pandemic? Donald Trump had just formed a task force. And a day after this tweet, Donald Trump restricted travel from China. You can call it slow, but he did something at least. So let's say this. Let's say you really think Trump did a bad job. You have to at least recognize the Democrats did a worse job. Andrew Cuomo resisted locking down New York, told Bill de Blasio to get real. Bill de Blasio on, the Mar- on March 3rd, I believe it was, was saying, go out and party. Donald Trump had already formed a task force at that point. Not a perfect response, but they did worse. Joe Biden tweeted on February 1st, we're in the midst of a crisis with the coronavirus. Okay, so a day after Donald Trump restricted travel, but then he just goes on to call Trump a, a xenophobic, hysterical, fear-mongering. Now, some people have argued that simply by calling Trump xenophobic, he wasn't actually saying Trump did anything wrong, but I, I disagree. All right. He's saying that when Trump calls out travel from China, if, Do- if Joe Biden's going to immediately come out and say he's xenophobic, I think we know what Joe Biden is criticizing. Take a look at this. On, on uh, February 1st, Biden slams Trump response to the coronavirus epidemic. This is no time for fear mongering. Was it fear mongering to restrict travel from China? Dr. Fauci praised the move. Was it fear mongering or was it the right call? I defer to the scientists. I defer to the doctors who said it was the right call. So no, Joe Biden, thank you for trying to throw a wrench into the spokes of what Trump was trying to pull off by calling it fear mongering, but it still got done anyway. Joe Biden on March 18th, stop the xenophobic fear mongering. Be honest. This is a response to Donald Trump saying, I always uh, treated the Chinese virus very seriously and have done a very good job from the beginning, including my very early decision to close the borders from China against the wishes of almost all. Many lives were saved. The fake news narrative is disgraceful and false. Now, some people believe that Joe Biden's referring to Trump calling it the Chinese virus. And I think that's a fair assessment. But I also think it's a fair assessment that he's saying everything Trump just said was xenophobic. Joey Salads, you can see him as the top response saying Democrats care more about the name of the virus than the people dying. So it was perceived that, you know, Joe Biden was critical of everything. Well, I'll put it this way. I think Joe Biden was being critical of of whatever Trump was saying. So if you want to, again, criticize Donald Trump, Joe Biden was dragging him down. Should he be the leader? I don't think so. Biden says a wall will not stop the virus. Banning all travel from Europe or any other part of the world will not stop it. This disease could impact every nation and any person on the planet. And we need a plan to combat it. Okay. If you don't like Trump's response, tell me you think Biden's response would have been better. If Nancy Pelosi wants to come out and blame Trump and say he did a horrible job, okay. Then you know what you have to, you, you know what your opportunity in November is? Vote for someone who did a bad job, Donald Trump, or someone who would do an absolutely worse job in Joe Biden. Is that what you really want? No, I think that makes no sense. Take a look at what the Republicans were actually doing. And this story got very little fanfare. GOP senator calls for travel ban to stop coronavirus spread. Bravo, good sir, Senator Tom Cotton. My friends were sending me this viral video of Tom Cotton talking about the seriousness of the pandemic in January, and Facebook was apparently removing it. I don't know exactly what happened, but people were saying, share this in your messages. Facebook will take it down. Senator Tom Cotton is calling for the Trump administration to implement a targeted travel ban to stop the spread of a coronavirus from China. And look look at this. They even called it a coronavirus. It was such a non-issue for the media and for most people. 
that when someone, a Republican, came out early and said, listen, we need to shut things down. It's going to get bad. They said, what's a coronavirus? They didn't even call it the coronavirus, which is funny. In a letter to members of Trump's cabinet Tuesday, Cotton said it may be too late for China to contain the virus within its borders and called for a ban on all commercial flights between the U.S. and China. Cotton said U.S. citizens living in China should have the option to return to America, but only under appropriate elevated monitoring. This dude was well above everyone else, including Donald Trump. So we can look at the response from Republicans. Not great, but pretty good, especially Tom Cotton. What about Democrats? They pushed lies at the time that Trump had hindered our ability to fight this. February 26, the Associated Press and the Democrats were distorting the coronavirus readiness in, uh, information. Now, this was back when there were a bit more candidates, but they were pushing fake news, riling Americans up into believing nonsense. Well, you can blame the media too. So my, my respect to the Associated Press for calling this out, but take a look at this. I love this story. I, I love showing it. Get a grip, America. The flu is a much bigger threat than coronavirus. For now. All right, I'll accept their for now. For now. But it's true that when Donald Trump was taking these actions, we have an op-ed from the New York Times. It's really interesting. They mentioned that many liberals were reticent to give Donald Trump and populists fuel by, by claiming they were, they were correct about the coronavirus. You see, something interesting happened. Early on, Republicans and conservatives were waving warning flags about the coronavirus, including Donald Trump, even though he did end up downplaying it a bit later on. Perhaps it was because he was trying to prevent panic. I don't know. But something happened after they started, you know, Tom Cotton comes out and says, hey, we got to do this thing. The media just hate. It's what they do. Republicans are always wrong. Orange man is always bad. So a bunch of stories like this come out. Get a grip. The flu is much worse. How about this one from BuzzFeed on January 29th? Don't worry about the coronavirus. Worry about the flu. How horrifyingly irresponsible. They could not give Trump even one day, as Nate Silver said, this is proof. He said it in response to uh, um, Trump's uh, an operation in the Middle East when he got rid of a really bad man. I'll put it that way. But uh, Nate Silver said that the liberals really can't give Trump one good day, can they? On the 29th, Donald Trump formed the task force. And this is what BuzzFeed had to say. It was updated on the 29th. Not to worry about it. Yeah, because Trump is always wrong, right? And there you go. If the media had just been honest from the get-go, maybe this wouldn't have happened. If the Democrats weren't impeaching the president, maybe we would have been more prepared. And that's why I don't want to go anywhere near the Democrats, because I see what they're going to do with their power. Pelosi's already calling for another review. CNN analyst ripped for saying Trump's coronavirus task force is too white. January 31st. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, they were trying to impeach him. Everything about what he did was wrong. Everything. And you know what? To this day, it still is. I do not trust any of these people. They are a chaotic, destructive force that care not for any structure. They don't care for the safety of people. I, I made this a little bit uh, hyperbolic. I think they probably care a little bit. They probably care about the immediate safety of people. I think that's fair to say. And I think it's important we do come together to a certain degree, but we've got to call it out where it needs to be called out. All they do is write stories that Trump is wrong. They say that his, his coronavirus task force is too white. They say to ignore it because it's not a problem. And then months later, they say Donald Trump didn't do enough. Well, maybe he was watching your news program. Here's what happened. As, as I mentioned early on, liberals didn't want to give populists and the conservatives credit or fuel. So they immediately inverted the narrative saying, no, it's not a big deal. Oh, the flu is worse. And then they couldn't deny it. It started getting bad. 
And Trump started buying their narrative. All of a sudden, Trump started saying similar things like it's just like the flu. Yeah, the media was pumping this stuff out. Even Fox News started picking it up. And it's weird how this change shifted from Tom Cotton's early warning to an inversion from both sides. But the, the fact remains, Trump still did more. But as soon as Trump came out and said, we've got it under control, everything's going to be fine, the media flipped. And that's how this plays out. All they do is they report something. Actually, here's a really good example. I covered this on my second channel earlier this morning. Andrew Cuomo on March 6th said that masks were being stolen and like a lot. And he instructed the police to investigate who was selling masks to figure out where they were going. Donald Trump yesterday said, who knows what's happening? Maybe something nefarious, maybe worse than hoarding, implying potential theft. The media runs Cuomo's story uncritically. Trump then sees it and says, maybe people are stealing. And then immediately come out, they come out and they call Trump a conspiracy theorist who's pushing lies and, and besmirching the good name of nurses. We never even brought it up. That's the game the media plays. He comes out and says, we're going to take care of the coronavirus. So they say it's no big deal. Then Trump says it's no big deal. Then they say Trump's lying and wrong and he's going to get everyone killed. Then Trump comes out and they say, you're too late. Well, you know what, man? Trump is right to call him the fake news, but I think it's still fair to say he does buy into what they say decently, uh, decently often. Maybe he shouldn't. Maybe we should all ignore them a bit more. Even to this day, I, want, I, I, will, I would like to point out the media and these, these pundits and these leftists and these Democrats just want to watch it all burn. I, I can conclude nothing else of many of these people. Not all of them. Not all of them. It's a small few group of lunatics that need to be called out. I was, I was actually, uh, I thought it was a great thing when my pillow guy, Mike Lindell, changed, uh, switch, switched up his factory to start producing PP, uh, protect, personal protective equipment masks for frontline medical workers. Awesome. Same as many other country uh, companies. My understanding is that New Balance, I think, is doing the same thing. My, my respect and my admiration to all of these companies that are joining the effort to help fight this virus. One of which is Mike Lindell, uh, the MyPillow guy. And he's got an amazing story. It's a redemption story. He used to be an addict and he turned his life around. He found God. And now he's running a successful company. His pillows are pretty good. I got to say, I like his pillows. Okay, I got one. It's a good pillow, admittedly. Uh, I'm not a super religious person. He can do his thing. This is America by all means. And Donald Trump invited him up to the podium to speak. And the media just tore him to shreds. It's, it, why? This guy just, just joined the effort to help save lives. If he wants to go up and say a prayer and praise Trump, that's fine. I don't, I, I don't care. He's, he's, he's helping. <laughs> like, what is wrong with these people, man? You know what? This to me says that there are many pundits who really just don't care about anyone or anything. They're sociopaths. They're, there are politicians who feel the same way. I don't care who Trump wants to bring up. Of course, he wants to praise a guy who likes him. Mike Lindell is a conservative Christian guy. He, he runs ads on Fox News all the time. I don't care. That's a normal part of life. There are a lot of people who like the guy because he makes good pillows, whatever. I don't know or care for the most part about his opinions. All I know is that he's using his resources to help us. My respect. You want to believe in God and go to church? Yeah, go for it. I, I got no beef. That's awesome. It's, in fact, I support your right to do so, protected under the First Amendment. But the media bashes, look at this, mainstream media mocks White House appearance of my pillow guy, Mike Lindell, despite contribution to virus fight. That makes me want to barf. This, here's this guy saying he's going to put himself in this fight to do the right thing. And this is the respect he gets. Why? Because he's on the right. How, how do you expect any, anyone to do the right thing, to, to stand up and join you in agreement when this is what you do? How can you expect Trump and other Republicans to think the media is telling the truth when this is what they do? I've said it over and over again. 
If someone has done something wrong in the past, I will give them an opportunity to redeem themselves because uh, we want them to do the right thing. If you only tell some, if you tell someone, no matter what you do, we will never accept you, then why would they bother trying to be accepted? Meaning, why would they bother doing the right thing? They'll turn around and go, go to the dark side. Nah. If there's someone who I think has got a bad opinion or is a bad person and then does something good, I will praise the good and say, please do more of this. That includes Nancy Pelosi, Ocasio-Cortez, Warren, anybody else. And I've given them credit, especially right now. I'll give a shout out to uh, Scar- Joe Scarborough over on MSNBC. Although he's not perfect, he has given, the tr- uh, given Trump a few uh, pieces of uh, praise over taking the right action. And that's the right attitude. Criticize the president all day and night with my blessing. But if he does something good, point out why it was good. And then we can move on. But if Mike Lindell is going to turn his factories into mass production, and even he gets slammed and smeared, why would anyone bother listening to anything these people have to say? They won't. They'll disregard it. They'll think it's a hoax. And they'll say, no matter what we do, they call us wrong. When Trump agrees, it's wrong. When he disagrees, it's wrong. When, when the people we like start, cha- start making uh, uh, you know, medical equipment for them, they mock and belittle them. I, I, don't, I don't like the direction this stuff goes. So, so let me wrap this up. Why I think it was a glorious self-own because Trump has done more. He's done more, even if it wasn't enough, than Joe Biden or the Democrats did. Because never forget, while, the, while, while Donald Trump did a little bit, travel restriction and the task force, and the task force was working on this. Fauci seems to be a good dude. People like him. They were just screeching impeachment, and Biden was tweeting about climate change. So yeah, maybe, maybe you know, if you live in a glass house, you shouldn't throw stones, Pelosi. And now they want to do another investigation. You know what? I'm so over this. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Nearly 100,000 people signed petition calling for end to live coverage of Trump's coronavirus briefings, and that in and of itself is insane. Why would you want the media to stop covering what the president is saying? If the president is lying, don't you think it's important? You know he's lying. You just want to plug your ears and say la 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 over again. It's not going to make him go away. There's only one reason. Well, there's actually two reasons why people do not want to see Donald Trump's press briefings aired on TV. The first is that they just can't accept reality. They don't want to hear him. They don't want to see him. There's like, no, he's not my president. I refuse to accept it. The other group of people knows that it's helping Trump because the American people are starting to break through the lies from the media. Oh, you're in for a treat today. I woke up this morning in a fairly good mood, as I usually do. And I, you know, the first thing I do when I wake up, I pull up my phone and I'm browsing through Reddit and on Twitter. And I come across some tweets and some posts. And what do I find? What's that? The media is lying again. Oh, gee willikers. See, they're lying about uh, back in early March, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, said that people were stealing masks. And now the story is that Trump is lying and presenting conspiracy theories without evidence that people are stealing masks. I have talked about this over and over again. It's what they do. They'll report a story. Trump will say, did you hear this? They're doing this thing. And then they'll immediately come out and say the exact opposite. It is insane. Oh, but there's so much more. These hundred thousand people clearly are not in the majority because most people approve of the president. And I, you know, what? I, many of you may have seen this poll already, but I'm showing it now as a sort of like, I don't know, it, it's it's cathartic a bit to rub it in the faces of all of these people who lie in the media to deceive for whatever reason for their agenda. In the past eight polls, Donald Trump has majority support. Well, I should say, in seven out of the last eight polls. Donald Trump has majority support. And one of those, uh, the other one of that eight is a tie. 
So it's all still really good news for the president, who's enjoying a 50.5% approval rating and a 45.4% disapproval rating in dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. Most Americans are watching what the president has to say, and they appreciate what he is doing, and it's cutting through the BS. So naturally, you've got the activists and politicians, the, polit- the politicos, not necessarily the politicians, freaking out, saying, oh no, people are starting to realize that the orange man isn't that bad. What do we do? Shut him down. Or lie. They lie all the time. And you know what's happening? Because there's so much going on so fast. Like the joke we, the joke we were making the other day on the podcast is that like March felt like a year in and to itself. It's like March 97th. That's how many days are in this month because so much crazy stuff has been going on and it just, it's really long, right? Well, because of this, the news cycle has no choice but to call the orange man bad on literally everything he does. Or I should say they always do that. But when the news cycle is drawn out over a month or two, they'll say a story in January and it'll say orange man likes the color blue. And then Trump will come out and say, actually, you know, I really do like blue. And then they'll come out and say blue is the worst thing a month later. So what happens is people might see the story in January, forget about it, and then a month later see the next story, which is completely inverted. Now what's happening is because they have to say the orange man is bad every single day and Trump talks every single day, the stories are becoming a garbled mess of mishmash nonsense. Let me just give you a really, really great example. This is a story from March 6th. People are stealing masks and other medical equipment from hospitals. New York Governor Cuomo says, Cuomo, who also touted the potential prospect of a hydroxychloroquine azithromycin treatment, is a hero, I say, because the media says he is trying to stop these thefts. In fact, he actually says it's not just people taking a couple or three. I mean, just actual thefts of those products. I have asked the state police to do an investigation. Look at the places that are selling masks, medical equipment, protective wear, feeding the anxiety. That's right, Cuomo. Cuomo thinks that perhaps people are stealing these masks somehow, somehow stealing these masks and then selling them aftermarket for a profit. Now, Cuomo offered up no evidence. So Cuomo, without evidence, claimed masks were being stolen. My absolute favorite. This is this is so, so glorious. Trump could help solve the mask problem. Instead, he's making baseless attacks on New York nurses. Trump is making up conspiracy theories about mask thefts instead of using the DPA to produce more. Excuse me. They're mad Trump isn't an authoritarian. And I, and I, and I mean it. They want Trump to, to invoke the Defense Production Act to force companies to start manufacturing masks. No, they don't. They're lying. You know why? Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, Okay, he's that guy you see on TV, or if you're listening to Pandora, he pops up and he's like, my pillow is the best pillow you'll ever sleep with. And they're actually pretty good pillows, I might add. But anyway, this guy, okay, he switches his production line to start making masks. Bravo, good sir, thank you for joining the effort to help fight this pandemic. And what do they do? They make fun of him and they make fun of Trump. They don't care about those that are actually doing well. They're just crazy people who can only, it's like Tweedledee and Tweedledum sitting there laughing, orange man is bad. So when Trump, when, when Cuomo comes out and says the masks, you know, are missing, they're being stolen. And then Trump repeats similar things in the same month they call Trump a liar. But here's the best part. Vox has no choice but to admit it. Here, look at this headline. Trump is making, you know, baseless attacks on New York nurses. I got to be honest, Trump, I don't think ever said anything about nurses. Uh, he, he, he didn't. And they have the quote in here. And it's just an overt lie. A conspiracy theory about mask thefts. Interesting. The quote is, here's what, here's what, here's what, here, they're quoting Trump. And here's what the quote says. 
something is going on. And you ought to look into, look into it as reporters. Where are the masks going? Are they going out the back door? How do you go from 10,000 to 300,000? And we have that in a lot of different places. So somebody should probably look into that because I just don't see from a practical standpoint how that's possible to go from that to that. And we have that happening in numerous places, not to that extent. That was the highest number I've heard. To make sure he was understood, the president later underscored his claim by saying, I don't think it's hoarding. I think maybe it's worse than hoarding. Did he say the words, the word nurse in there? Did he actually say nurses are stealing masks? No, he didn't. And they quote him. But of course, to Vox, it's a baseless conspiracy theory, an attack on New York nurses. These people are despicable. But I love this. Check this out. Now, if you go halfway down the article, Vox says, it is true that some New York medical professionals have admitted, as a few did to Reuters, Nick Brown and Joseph X, that they have resorted to stealing protective gear, but not to resell and not for any nefarious purpose, only so that they can keep working while protecting themselves and their patients. When you steal masks, you're stealing them from other doctors and nurses. Who do you think you're stealing the masks from? The people who would need them because you would like them more than someone else. So yes, if you have a bunch of masks and they're like, these masks are for these people and you go in and take them for yourself, that's called stealing. Did Trump in that quote anywhere say they're selling these things? He didn't. He said maybe something worse. Maybe it's worse than hoarding. It was Cuomo who said, it was Cuomo who said, I want the police to investigate where these sales are going. And look at this stuff. Vox is claiming it's conspiracy. And then halfway down the article actually saying, well, actually, it's, uh, it's true. Uh, there's so much more. There's so much more for me to show you. Check out the story from BuzzFeed. As we go back to the original topic, and, and I, I, I want to go through the fake news. These people are saying, please, please stop airing Donald Trump's press events. Oh, I'm not even kidding. Check this out. Jane Lynch. I don't know why she's uh, relevant, you know, in terms of the coronavirus, but she said, please stop covering Trump's briefings and rallies. Please, please. Oh, so poor baby. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. If you get a problem with what Trump is saying, when he speculates on something that Cuomo said at the beginning of the month, can I easily just point out BuzzFeed said this? Don't worry about the coronavirus. Worry about the flu. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh-uh. BuzzFeed was dead wrong. And this tweet is still up. How many people lost their lives because BuzzFeed and many other people were downplaying the virus? You know what? I don't think it's actually fair to say that. But I'm making a point. Everybody downplayed the virus. Initially, I did in like January 23rd. And then within a few days, I started to change my tune. But I'm not perfect either. I, I am deserving of criticism in the same regard as everybody else. And Donald Trump on the 29th formed the task force. And sure enough, they said, no, no, no. Oh, don't, don't ignore it. And then now they're actually running stories. If you go to like r slash politics on Reddit, where they're saying that Fox News is worried that downplaying the coronavirus opens them up to legal liability. Sure. And the Washington Post is too. Washington Post on February 4th wrote a story saying, get a grip, America. The flu is worse for now or something like that. BuzzFeed said, don't worry about it. They put out so much misinformation early on saying, ignore it, ignore it. It's not a big deal. And you actually had people on Twitter saying China just locked down their entire country. Are you nuts? Are you paying attention to what's going on? BuzzFeed's like, (laughs) whatever. There is a meme going around. It's kind of a meme. It's a collage of all of these other fake news articles gobbled up with fake news about how people downplayed the virus. So, So maybe I should make sure I'm making the point. The reason why people want Trump shut down. First, they have no idea what's going on and they just believe like they have no memory. It's, it's, it's mind numbing to me that these people can't remember a news story that came out a week before and they believe whatever lie is put on the TV or online 
the next day. Cuomo says they're stealing masks for Trump conspiracy theory, but it's not all that bad. Some people are actually calling this out. This is uh, Dylan Stableford for Yahoo News. And I, I, I think uh, this is a respectable article. He says Trump Cuomo and the mystery of the missing masks. It's the same story. President Trump on Sunday speculated that New York state hospitals are running short of respirator masks to protect doctors and nurses from the coronavirus because supplies are being stolen. I, I read you this quote. How do you go from 10,000, 20,000, right? Trump did not elaborate on what gave his rise, gave rise to his suspicion, nor did Trump elaborate on who was taking them, where they were going, why they were being stolen, just that they were missing. Trump, uh, they say at a press briefing in New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo was asked to respond to Trump's comments. I don't know what that means, Cuomo said. I don't know what he's trying to say. If he wants to make an accusation, then let him make an accusation. But earlier this month, Cuomo himself said that people were stealing face masks and other medical equipment from area hospitals. Hospital officials in Boston and elsewhere have reported similar thefts. Trump was right. Hospitals in Boston and elsewhere have reported similar thefts. Is the media going to shut up? No, they're not. It's what they do. It's what they're all about. I love this one. Oliver Darcy of CNN tweets, Trump is self-isolating at Fox News, Brian Stelter reports. As the crisis has deepened and the death toll has risen, Trump's only national TV interviews have been with Fox News. You know why? The media, we must stop airing Trump's press events. How many articles popped up from these from these various outlets like the Daily Beast, NBC, MSNBC, etc., saying it's time to stop this Rachel Maddow saying we cannot show his press events. And then Trump says, "Okay, fine. I'll go to the one network that I actually like Fox News (laughs) or that likes me, at least. And now they're like, why is Trump only going on Fox News? Uh, Because you told him to, because you literally said you were going to stop covering his events. So he was like, "Okay, fine. Go to Fox News. Fox seems to like me, right? That's how the fake news operates, man. According to a CBS poll, the American people trust Trump slightly more than the national media. Perhaps it was the incessant orange man bad screeching over the past several years, or perhaps it was the dozens of scandals that turned out to be fake news. I'm sorry if you've seen this stuff before, but I just want to point out that this is like, it's, a, it's, it's an emotional release. It's almost, it's therapeutic for me to show these stats. What, who do you trust and not trust to give you accurate information about the virus and what to do during the outbreak? Donald Trump has 44% trust and the national media has 43%. Oh, that feels so good. It feels good. Not because I, I, I think Trump is telling the truth, to be honest. Not really. I just know that often Trump is wrong. He, he is. And I know that often he makes an, not, an irrelevant statement. He mentions maybe people are stealing masks or something. And it's like, okay, and? What else? That's fine. You can say it. I don't care. And that's that. And that's me. The media lies, though. They lie all the time. According to a Gallup poll, the approval rating for Trump is 60 percent and the media is like 44 percent. And that also makes me feel good because, you know, look, I worked for these companies. I see how the system works. I see how these people lie, how they will they will pump out contradictory articles that make no sense. I kid you not. CNBC, it's a different company. So CNBC, MSNBC, and NBC, I believe, are all part of the same parent, NBC. But they are different. But CNBC, is, they're the ones who reported what Cuomo said. And, and many people reported this. Okay, It was many outlets saying Cuomo says masks are being stolen. NBC right now says Trump is making it up. That Trump's baseless claim. That's NBC. And this, and this brings me back to the initial story. This is why people want Trump's press briefings removed, because they are bleating sheep 
who don't pay attention to the news, have no idea what's going on, and they're being led by nefarious actors who are lying. And then you end up with these celebrities who think their opinion matters. You know, I'll be honest, to an extent, my opinion doesn't even matter. But I'll tell you this, it matters substantially more than Jane Lynch's opinion. Why? Not because I'm better than her or anything. I mean, she's actually, I, I think she's actually a pretty cool actress. Uh, I like some of the stuff she's been in. That's, that's fine. But she's in a, in, in a world not unto her uh, expertise. It is not her understanding of the media or politics that she, you know, that she has expertise on. She's an actor, actress, whatever the appropriate politically correct term is these days. She, uh, she's in movies. If she wanted to talk about, you know, the, the casting, you know, how casting happens or working with an agent or how to make a proper movie or good directing, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I, I have no idea. If, if you're telling me like a certain angle would work better or something like, you know, about movies or like a better way to distribute films, literally anything having to do with movies, her opinion is way above mine. I'd defer to her. When it comes to politics, my opinion is not paramount by no means. But this is more of my realm, journalism and media. So no, I don't respect her opinion when she comes out and says, please shut down Trump's events. That is insane. It's wrong. Even if the president is lying, we should see what he's saying. But of course, it's the media that's lying and we can all see through it. You know what? I don't, I don't know how much it matters because admittedly, y'all are the, are the choir to whom I am preaching. And it's unfortunate, really. I don't know how else you get the, uh, the word out to people to let them know, like you, you can see just how insane all of this is. Let me, let me go to my Twitter. I just tweeted this one out. I said, excuse me, what the F? People are stealing masks and other medical equipment from hospitals, Governor Cuomo says, March 6th. And here's one from the 30th. Cuomo and New York hospitals reject Trump's claims, masks going out the back door. The president offered no evidence to back his suggestion of something nefarious. Neither did Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo never gave evidence. And they said nothing. It's, it's, it's absolutely despicable. And then I highlighted the Vox thing. I just find it funny that Vox is like, it's a conspiracy theory. Now, it is true, though, but what do you mean, but? Change your headline. This is what's called grifting. It's a grifter. Vox.com knows for a fact that masks were being stolen. Okay, I shouldn't say it like that. They know Andrew. No, no, no. I'm sorry. They do know for a fact. They say it's true. Reuters, people told them. Journalists know for a fact that people were stealing masks. Vox weasels their way into an inverted headline claiming it's not true, and then later on saying it is true. It's truly a sight to behold. They say, accusing President Donald Trump of using each briefing as a live campaign rally. The petition, which has been published on MoveOn, asks CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, NPR, and Fox News to consider whether it is necessary to live stream the, the, uh, Trump's press briefings in full. President Trump is blatantly using the news organization's extensive live coverage to freely campaign for a second term. It is wrong and dangerous. And there they admit it. They don't actually care about misinformation. They don't care about the coronavirus. They care that Donald Trump has a direct pipeline to the American people. And when they hear what he has to say, they like it. Well, that's reality. If Trump is doing things that people like, then Trump deserves to get reelected. And y'all can go cry home and screech again like you did in 2016. If Trump says things that people don't like, and I've certainly criticized him in his response to the coronavirus, along with the media, especially. Everyone's deserving of criticism. No one's perfect. Now, Bill de Blasio gets more blame than Trump, and China gets almost all of it, to be fair. I, I, like, I, I do want to say, as much as I'll be very critical of Bill de Blasio, critical of, uh, then you know, less so critical of Cuomo. I actually think Cuomo's doing a decent job. And then less so critical of Trump. China gets almost all of it. Like on a scale of, uh, you know, China, China gets 95% of the blame and like Bill de Blasio gets 3%. I'll admit, I think he did a really bad job in New York, but 
If China had been honest from the get-go, we wouldn't be in this mess. And everybody at the time was downplaying it. Now, de Blasio downplayed it for much longer than most other people, even the president. So, you know, I'll take it for what it is. But we can see it right here. The goal of the petition is not to stop Trump from lying or anything like that. They're just freaking out because Trump is going to win. I'm sorry. It's just reality. Even even with a new poll. OK, so I don't have a, uh, this is just his coronavirus approval rating. There was a new poll that came out that actually had Trump uh, negative, but it's still uh, he still maintained his highest uh, approval rating ever at 47.3 percent. That's general approval. So even though some people are still negative on him, and his disapproval rating is still higher than his approval rating. His approval rating is higher than it's ever been. His approval rating in dealing with the coronavirus is above water by, by 5.1 points, five points. And they're freaking out. They, they have nothing. They, they wrote an article. Uh, someone wrote an article saying, stay alive, Joe Biden. And what they were claiming in the article is that Joe has nothing going for him. He's boring, low energy, and he's dissolving, but he's alive. I kid you not. They, they actually wrote this article. It's not a joke. And it said that all they need is corporeal. Pre- his, all they need is his co- corporeal presence because people hate Trump that much. This is why they're freaking out. People are now cutting through the fake news. They're seeing what Trump has to say, and they're like, "Yeah, not bad." But when you only get every, when you get all your news filtered through the media, this is what you get. You get Andrew Cuomo, the great hero, who's done the same things Trump has. Cuomo has called for reopening the economy or questioned whether it should be closed in the first place. He held off on actually shutting things down in New York during the lockdown, saying, get real. We were not going to do it. He's touted the same medication, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, and wants to implement tests. And now we have him talking about stealing masks. All of these things he was never, never attacked for in the media. Trump, on the exact same things, has been lit aflame by the press, saying he's the worst thing ever. So you know what Trump does? Trump goes and gives a press briefing. And the ratings are through the roof. You know why? Americans want to know what's happening. And now the lefty activists are panicking, shaking in their boots. Oh, no, Trump might win because people actually like him. Oh, no. You ever you ever think you ever stop and realize the job of the press is to convey information. And if the press conveys what Trump says and people like it and they vote for him, that's literally how it's supposed to work. What they're saying right here is that they want to cheat. They're saying, we can't play fair. Please cheat. It's what they've done the whole time with the Electoral College. And now this. There's a lot more. I'll leave it where it is. Thanks for hanging out. I'll have more segments coming up later today, next at 1 p.m. And I'll see you all then. We've been hearing about political bickering between Trump and Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo has been saying that they need more ventilators and Trump isn't sending enough. Trump has said that Cuomo has got him in a stockpile. Then Cuomo said, well, yeah, we do have him in a stockpile. There have been videos of people going to hospitals that aren't particularly busy, but it is true that there are many hospitals that are being overloaded. And we have seen some rather horrifying videos of people on stretchers being loaded into trucks because they need to make makeshift more uh, body transportation for the people who are losing their lives. The latest stats, I believe in the past 24 hours, 142 people have died in New York City. Now, the reason I tell you this is because Health NY Gov has announced that all low-income immigrants, regardless of status, have access to COVID-19 testing, evaluation, and treatment as services covered by emergency Medicaid. We then have a link, and we can see from New York uh, NYIC.org that they are announcing you can get care in New York City regardless of immigration status or ability to pay. Let me just put this in simple terms that will make many on the left angry with me. If you are an illegal immigrant, New York is allowing you access to their healthcare system. This I find to be, first, 
irksome. It is frustrating to see. But before I get into my complaints about overloading the healthcare system and these utopian dreams of universal healthcare, I must say illegal immigrants who are coming to the hospital must receive treatment and care. Their lives must be saved because the life of an individual is, is, is paramount. If somebody is an illegal immigrant, they show up and say, I want to get tested and I want life-saving treatment. I believe it is a moral imperative that we actually give them that treatment because I don't think for the time right now, we're going to be bickering about politics when someone's life is on the line. That being said, there is a more pragmatic reason why we must do this to prevent the spread to other people. So right now we have an unfortunate circumstance. Our hospitals are being overloaded and there are many people who are not citizens who are essentially jumping the line, getting access to our life-saving treatment. And while for the, for the time being, I'm not going to, to complain, you know, I'm, I would never go to an individual who's an illegal immigrant and be like, I can't believe this person is getting treatment. No, 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 no way. Absolutely not. I would actually demand the doctors go and save their lives. We can complain about the politics of it after the fact, but I believe there will be a reckoning in New York City to a certain degree. And maybe I'm wrong. Some people say I'm wrong. But I think we're going to see a lot of people change their tunes in the coming year or years. How many people in New York were denied treatment? Many are. Many are saying it's difficult to even get tests. Some people are turned away. There's a Twitter thread from someone who said they were coughing up blood and that was considered mild. And the doctor said, we have too many patients and we can't take care of you. You as a tax paying American citizen have been displaced by non-citizens. And while we can absolutely separate the individual and the circumstance of today from what we need to do in the future, we need to assess whether or not we can sustain infinite population growth. We can't. The healthcare system is finite. For the time being, as I'll state one a million times, it is a moral imperative to save the lives, save the lives of everyone. So I'm not necessarily critical of what the, uh, the New York City government is saying. They're saying, come and we'll treat you. It's important to stop the spread of this virus. So yes, please do so. In the future, however, we need to address this, circu- this, this situation. We have many people who have waited in line, who come are our legal visa holders as tourists or students. We have permanent residents and green card uh, or green card holders, and we have U.S. citizens. These people will be displaced because of non-citizens who jump the line. I'll just give you a very simple reason why this is a problem. It incentivizes everyone else to ignore the line. We have people who come to this country and who are born in this country working within the rules, hoping they will have access to health care. We then have people who come even in the last year or few years who break the rules, enter illegally, and then displace people from the healthcare system. So it's kind of like, look, man, if someone came to my door and they were starving, unfortunately, you can't give them food. It's like, listen, man, we only have so much. We've taken, you know, we have the food for our family and our friends. And if we decided to give the food to everybody, we'd have no food for anybody. And then everyone would die. It's like they say, you must secure the, fa- the ma- you must secure your own face mask before trying to secure the mask of other people sitting next to you. That's what to tell you in an airplane, right? So I want to make sure that's clear. And then I want to move on to a bigger issue as we deal with the idea of universal health care. So we have seen from Bernie Sanders uh, and many of the Democrats that they would grant access to illegal immigrants to our health care system. We're now starting to realize why that's not sustainable. Our health care, our, our hospitals are overrun. How can you justify this? Again, I will stress because for the time being, yes, we must save lives. But in the future, we cannot allow this. We know that we need border security now because people, people spread the virus. And if people are coming through the southern border, they might actually have COVID and make the problem worse for us. And it's not just the U.S. that's closing borders. It's like everyone. We're even seeing border checkpoints between states. That's how serious it is. 
This is going to set us back to beyond before the 1950s. We're going to go back in time. And if people don't realize how serious these issues are, why we need to, to make sure everyone has access to health care for those that are members of our community, right? If they don't realize this, we're in, we're in serious trouble. The easiest way to put it is imagine, imagine like you pay insurance because you want to get access to life-saving care. And then one day you show up and they say, we're not going to give it to you because someone just showed up from, a, from one town over and we've given it to him. And you're like, but dude, who is this person? They haven't paid into this system. Why do they get access to something that I'm paying for to support? It's going to displace people. And then I, I tell you what, a lot of people have died in New York, nearly a thousand. And there's going to be people who lost their mothers, their fathers, their friends. And they're going to start asking questions. Why were the hospitals overloaded? Let's take a look at the numbers. NYC coronavirus cases, 9.30 a.m. today, March 31st, 932 deaths, 140 people since 10.30 a.m. yesterday. So the daily death count is going down a little bit. That's good. 40,900 confirmed cases up about 13%. And you've got uh, uh, the majority in Brooklyn and uh, uh, or I'm sorry, the majority in Queens and then the next largest in Brooklyn. I'm not super concerned about the rest of these numbers. Uh, but the point is, New York seems to have a handle on things to a certain degree, and hopefully things get better. This is actually good news because we had the other day, I think they said 177 deaths. So if they want to, you know, screech and complain, they need more ventilators. They got a bunch in a warehouse. If they're expecting a larger peak, it looks like they're actually getting a handle on things. This is good news. Okay. But let's talk about universal healthcare. The bigger issue I see with universal healthcare isn't necessarily that people will come from other countries, cross our borders, and then need access to it. Because again, I want to stress, you know, there's a difference between someone coming here to just get it. Like, you know, you could cross the border right right now, right? There was a bill passed in California that said people under 26 that are non-citizens will get access to the government funded healthcare. So what's to stop someone from Mexico finding a way to cross the border because they're sick and then going into our already strained hospitals? Why do we, why, why are we all under quarantine? Why are we being told we can't go out but then we're going to allow non-citizens to get access to our resources. I, I can't believe they're demanding that I sacrifice. I don't go to the movies. I don't go to the store. I have to give up on all of the things I enjoy. And then we're, we're, we're now catering to people who are not part of this community who could potentially make this worse. It's, it's, it's a serious moral and ethical conundrum. But now we can see this video and we can see why there are issues with universal health care. You see, I'd, I'd love nothing more than to make sure everyone gets access to life-saving treatments. But it's not like we're in Elysium, that movie where they had a machine you could just lay in and it would magically cure you. In that movie, for some reason, rich people just didn't want people to get treatment. That's really how many of these progressives view the world. They think life-saving care is infinite and we should give Medicare to everyone and everyone can go to school. It's like, dude, the occupancy of that building is a couple thousand people. How do you give schooling to everybody? The occupancy of the hospital is a couple thousand people and there's only so many doctors to do the job. It's not possible. It can't be done. But there's another problem. And that's people who just don't care. Look, I'm being told to be responsible, and I am. We're not going out unless it's for absolutely essential reasons. So for the most part, we haven't gone anywhere. Granted, I have a house and I have a backyard, so I don't really need to. I mean, we're chilling. You know, things are all right. But there are many people who don't care. They don't take their health seriously, and they want me to pay for it. That's a serious problem. I don't think the private healthcare system is great. I think we got a weird mishmash broken system of weird government regulations, jacked up prices, and it's not straightforward. I mean, there's a lot of problems with it. But in this video, we see Stanley Roberts. So uh, Stanley, I believe, is a, is a journalist. Verified Twitter user says, let's check in on East Oakland to see how the shelter in place is going. Face palm. I, I guess we can add this as a reason, as reason number 40, why aliens will never invade. One, two, three, four. Why aliens will never invade Earth. 
courtesy DNAST on Instagram. And yes, it's a video of people in Oakland having a major gathering and doing donuts in the middle of the street and partying. These people will probably get sick. We've seen many people who went on spring break got sick. I don't know how severe it is. A lot of people, you need to understand this, the, 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 uh, the rate of people who get severe cases in like New York is 15%. So you'll see a lot of mild cases. Some people get more severe cases, but don't actually have to go to the hospital. So it's hard to know how bad it really is. But if you wanted universal health care, are, are you going to be happy paying for that? I mean, they were, they were advised, they were warned, and they were straight up told, do not do this. And it's being overlooked. It's being completely ignored. They just go out and party. And so what? When they get sick, it's going to be on us to pay for all of this. This is the main problem. Look, if your house starts on fire, we want to put the fire out. Typically, they're accidents. I guess if someone is burning their house down, we'll begrudgingly go to put their fire out like we're going to do with these people when they get sick. If they get sick, we're going to roll our eyes and be like, great, we don't want the virus to spread, so we have to help them. But it's, it's unfortunate that these people would actively make the problem worse and clutter up the system. But this is, it's, it's a similar argument like you've got a lot of people who are morbidly obese, overweight, who are very unhealthy and require medical treatment. And the universal health care system is going to pay for all that. And the people who are fit and responsible have to pay for it. Therein lies the big problem that, that I would have to pay for people who are irresponsible. I actually like the idea of uh, social programs, and I really like the idea of universal health care. But unless we can figure out how to deal with this, how could we ever possibly have it? There have been people who have said, well, maybe what you do is, you know, you, you have people take like a physical fitness test or something. And I'm like, man, it, it's rough. I don't know how you maintain that. What about people who violate uh, quarantines and go out and party and get sick? This is the problem. It's why it doesn't work. We need to be responsible for ourselves. And it also happened in New York. The Daily Mail reports what happened to lockdown. Disbelief as crowds gather to watch 1,000 bed Navy hospital ship USNS Comfort arrive in Manhattan to assist with coronavirus outbreak. As Mayor de Blasio warns, people may be fined $500 for not staying home. Look at these photos. Look at all these huge crowds gathering. What are you doing? Nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention. Yet in New York, where they're overloaded, they're just ignoring all of these, these rules and everything. Yet there are other people who are like, you know what, man? Look, do it for yourself. If you don't want to get, if you want to avoid getting sick and getting something that's going to make you cough up blood, potentially, don't go out. These people certainly don't care. They want to go see the ship as it arrives. So this, look, man, I don't see how you can claim that universal health care will be tenable when you have people across the country in various communities completely ignoring this and you're advocating for open borders and New York is saying, oh, by the way, we're going to give illegal immigrants access to the health care system. I understand why they have to do it right now. And they probably always have to do it. So the bigger issue is, how do we prevent people from coming here to exploit our healthcare system? And how do we make regular people treat these things seriously so that our healthcare system doesn't overload? Look at these photos, man. Apparently, the police had to come and disperse all of these crowds. Is that it? They wanted to see this big hospital ship arriving, a bunch of people. I can't, you know what, man? I guess we're going to be under quarantine forever. You know, Maryland has said their quarantine will, will go up. They, they've issued like a stay-at-home order until they deem otherwise. In Virginia, they say until June 10th. It was really funny. Everybody was screaming, June 10th. That's so far away. It's like, well, Maryland said forever. Nobody complained. Here, check this out. They say that the, the ship, Comfort, arrived at New York Harbor on Monday morning. It, it will welcome patients who do not have coronavirus, but who still need care in order to clear out the city's other hospitals for those who have tested positive for COVID-19. It came as the death toll in New York City hit 790 and more, more than 36,000 cases were recorded. New York City is the epicenter of the virus in the U.S. Let's see. On Monday, crowds gathered near Pier 90 to watch the comfort arrive. They gathered despite threats they would be fined $500. At a press conference on Monday, 
de Blasio said that uh, what was needed was battlefield medicine. And that Sunday, April 5th was D-Day. He is asking for more help from the government by then. James O'Keefe over at Project Veritas has been putting out some pretty good field reporting on what's going on. He went to, I believe he was in New Rochelle, which was like one of the biggest hotspots in the country. And he got a COVID-19 tested on. They swabbed his nose and his mouth. And many of these people were telling him it wasn't that bad. A couple of the uh, uh, National Guardsmen said, it's just the flu. Don't worry about it. And James was like, really? He's like, because I don't know if I should trust the media. He said, it's fine. The doctors said that they see many people who just have a cough, but there are some people who are getting really, really sick. And I think that is a really fair and, and fair and balanced way of assessing what's going on. I also think it's important to point out that James went to one location. So, you know, don't assume everywhere is the same. I, I am impressed quite, uh, I'm, I, I am uh, um, impressed with the work in the sense that it's good to see how regular people and frontline workers candidly will explain what's going on. It's possible they were just saying this because they didn't want people to freak out. But I think the doctors are giving a non-freak out panic assessment of what's going on. There are a lot of people who are getting sick. It's not, you know, some just get a cough. There are people who get really sick. Yeah, so it makes sense. Some people in the National Guard think it's not that bad. It's just the flu. It, it makes sense. No one, no, very few else, uh, other people are actually going down and, and showing us what's actually happening at these testing facilities. So I think it's good that we get this view. But let's, we, we, we should, should absolutely take it seriously. Just because you see one hospital or one testing site not completely overwhelmed with fire and brimstone doesn't mean it's not really that bad. And you also need to understand it's not going to be like a movie. You know, James went to this testing site. What do you expect? Like dudes with guns and like people, you know, freaking out and screaming and like banging on fences. No, it's like calm and orderly cars pull up. They swab you. It's also possible a lot of these doctors don't want people to panic. So they're going to say, it's fine. It's fine. But you look at the clothes they're wearing. They're wearing this insane, you know, full body hazmat suit. So I think they're taking it seriously. I think it's a major threat. I don't think uh, uh, a lot of people or I don't, I don't think everywhere is the same, right? There was one video that's got 4 million views of a guy going to a Brooklyn hospital, very calm. But I, 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 like Trump is bringing in these, these, these boats. So I think there's a real reason why we need to kind of relieve the, relieve the pressure on certain hospitals. And I think Manhattan of all places, well, it's actually, I think, Queen, uh, what is it, Queens is, is, is getting most of the, uh, of the cases. So, you know, look, man, we'll see how it plays out. The reason I bring up all this, this last, the last part about the testing and everything is that there's a finite amount of uh, space, energy, and personnel who can handle things. We don't want anyone to panic. We are, you know, I, I definitely want to give a shout out to James's reporting for actually going on the ground and doing some real field reporting. The hospital ships are being brought in because resources are finite. We're dealing with a situation right now where Trump has had to call in two major vessels, like remote, like portable hospitals, essentially, because of how overloaded certain hospitals are, are becoming. For us now to recognize that the city is going to be a sanctuary city for illegal immigrants, that many of these Democratic politicians are going to advocate for, like decriminalizing border crossings and ending deportations. It's one thing if you said, we don't care what your status is, you get health care. It's another thing when you combine that with them saying, come one, come all, no criminal charges, you're free to come to the city, and then more and more people do. We can begrudgingly accept that there are going to be people here illegally, and we have to save their lives. Now, I, I don't say begrudgingly save their lives in terms of, you know, their sickness. I don't care who you are. I'm not, if you come in and say, please help me, I'm dying. I'm not going to be like, prove you're American. Absolutely not. I think the doctors should just save their lives. But later on, when we're going over our capacity, we need to con- consider a few factors as we start advocating for certain policies. Notably, we cannot advocate for more illegal immigration, weaker borders, disbanding or, or breaking up CBP and ICE, 
because then you will get more people and you will overload our already strained system. And we need to call out the people who are getting sick and then would want us to pay for it. No, nah, I'm not happy with that, but I'll leave it. You get the point. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast. It's a different channel and I will see you all then. On March 8th, millions of women joined together for a strike. I believe this was International Women's Day and hundreds of thousands of them protested in the streets of Spain. All in all, 5.3 million women are said to have joined the strike, even though they had been warned about the impending outbreak. This is March 8th we're talking about, not January. In January, Donald Trump formed the task force. He, he Im- implemented travel restrictions. And it was only a few days after this, he shut down travel from Europe. So yes, most of us knew at this point things were getting bad. It was mid to en- the end of February that we started seeing the media in the US turn around saying things are getting bad. So there's no excuses for these feminists to go out and protest. And I kid you not. Now, I covered this story a bit the other day. There's a development. But there was actually a sign that said that essentially masculinity kills more than the coronavirus is actually factually untrue, obviously. But the coronavirus actually kills more men. Of course, that won't stop the feminists from coming out and protesting, ignoring the warning. And look at the size of these crowds. Now, many of you may have seen the video I done this yesterday, but uh, there's been there's an update. Uh, Apparently, there's a lawsuit heading uh, to the government over allowing this to happen because now Spain is one of the hardest hit countries in the world. I want to give you just a quick bit of context as to what this feminist protest was and then show you the development. The lawsuit is a coming. The BBC reported on the 8th. Women workers in Spain are marking International Women's Day with an unprecedented strike targeting gender inequality and discrimination. Unions said 5.3 million women had joined the 24-hour strike backed by 10 unions and some of Spain's top women politicians. Hundreds of thousands of women have joined street protests across Spain, shouting, if we stop, the world stops. Actually, no, when you stop, form a large crowd, you spread an extremely viral, (laughs) extremely contagious uh, uh, viral disease, which is now ravaging your country. Events marking the day were being held in dozens of other nations. So it's not just Spain, across the world. Women apparently thought it would be appropriate to protest while this outbreak pandemic was happening. Actually, I think by the 8th, it was a pandemic. Women taking part have stopped working and have been urged by organizers to spend no money and ditch any domestic chores for the day. Police were called to stop protesters blocking main roads in Barcelona, but some women pickets still brought areas to a standstill. Public transportation nationwide is available, but at reduced service and fight and flights have been affected. Evening marches in Madrid, Barcelona, Bilbao, Valencia, and a number of other cities are leading events in 200, Span- uh, in 200 Spanish locations. Well, now we have this story from El Español. The Supreme Court will decide whether to open an investigation to Pedro Sanchez for allowing the 8M rally. I think I, I have to say it, at least in Spain, this feminist action, this ideology of feminism has actually become a, threat, a detriment to the safety and well-being of, of the state. Now, here's the big, author- the big challenge in the debate between authoritarianism and libertarianism. I mean, people should be allowed to peacefully assemble, right? We have the First Amendment. The government can't stop us. But it's, uh, right now, the government is trampling all over the First and Second Amendment, mostly the first, freedom of religion, freedom of speech in some capacities. Well, that's most of the corporations that are doing that, like social media, but also freedom to peacefully, peaceably assemble. Should these feminists be allowed to march in the hundreds of thousands? It's a tough question. And the other day on the podcast, uh, Timcast IRL podcast, I was talking about it with my, with my uh, buddy, Adam, and someone in the super chat brought up an interesting point that rights come with responsibilities. 
And if you know that there is a serious threat to your nation, yes, you have a right to assemble, but you have a responsibility not to. This is an interesting point. The challenge, I guess, is whether or not you trust the government. At this point, I think it's fair to say that we know the coronavirus is a serious threat. We're seeing it all over the world and people are rightfully freaking out. Maybe they're freaking out a bit too much, but it's hard to know for sure. In Italy, there's food disruption and people are really freaking out. They're sending police to grocery stores. But perhaps it's fair to say that you should not be gathering in the hundreds of thousands because that would be irresponsible to the community you're supposed to be protecting. Dare I say many of these individuals, because many of them knew that the, the threat posed, didn't care. They only cared about themselves. El Espanol says the president of the government, Pedro Sanchez. And, and also, I want to I point out this is translated through Google, so it might not be perfect. Has, has been denounced before the criminal chamber of the Supreme Court for an alleged crime of administrative trespass consisting of not preventing the celebration of mass events, among them the demonstration on Women's Day, March 8th, despite the fact that since March 2nd, the European Center for Disease Control and Prevention had recommended adopting measures against COVID-19, including establishing individual social distancing measures. It's worse than I even thought. The, the, the European CDC had straight up said on the second, six days before the feminists went out to rally, you can't do this kind of stuff. And they allowed it to happen. Again, it's a challenge. Can the government really stop it? I don't know. But these people, at, at the end of the day, I'm not going to throw the blame at the Spanish government. I'm going to throw it at the individual feminists who went out. And now uh, we, Spain is dealing with some of the most deaths in the world, around 7,000 people. And that's on them. Look, I'm not going to go out. And there's, and there's, I can, I can uh, throw some shade towards, there's a lot of people, there's, there's a handful of people that are going to churches still ignoring these orders. There are people in Oakland partying in the street. There are people in New York rushing to the railings and taking photos. They're not, people aren't obeying this stuff. And so criticism abound. They're not the majority in our country, at least. I can criticize these groups, but they make up small factions. For the most part, most people in New York are, are, are abiding by these rules, or at least by these you know, responsibilities. Most people in the Bay Area are as well. And many people who are religious are doing tele, you know, telemass or whatever. I don't know what they're calling it, but they're doing services through drive through, through social distancing. And for the most part, people are respecting this. But in Spain, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. OK, that's that's general population right there. That's not a, that's not a small group of people. That's hundreds of thousands. The brief for criminal action against Sanchez has been presented by the Madrid lawyer, Victor Valladares, hopefully pronouncing it right, right, whose complaint against the government delegate in Madrid, Jose Manuel Franco, has been admitted by the 51st Investigating Court of Madrid, which has opened some proceedings for prevarication and or injuries. The court indicated to Valladares that Sanchez is appraised before the Supreme, so he, he should go to this body. Again, it's Google Translate. Forgive me. This has been done by the lawyer reproducing the complaint filed in the Plaza de Castilla courts. The lawyer considered that the president of the government incurred administrative prevarication for omission by not acting to prohibit the mass gatherings, despite the warnings that already existed of the European organisms about the risk of contagion by coronavirus. The lawyer asks the Supreme Court to carry out the same procedures already agreed by the investigating court 51 consisting, among others, in the civil guard investigating the course given to the report of the European Center for Disease Control. OK, so so let me try and break this down because the, the translation is really bad. They want the court to basically say, 
You knew this was happening. You took no action and you are criminally responsible for this. They say it also requests that the persons who prepared the reports for the uh, Center for Coordination of Health Alerts and Emergencies and and, uh, and of the Spanish Agency for Medicines and Health Products, including Fernando Simon, director of the first and current agency, be questioned as expert witnesses. Spokesperson for the uh, Coronavirus Monitoring Committee at the Ministry of Health. All complaints or uh, complaints against graduates are transferred to the opinion of the prosecutor's office. This is a criminal charge. Someone's trying to get this guy charged. They're going after the president. Pedro Sanchez, they're going after this guy for criminal charges for allowing these feminists to protest. All right, you know what, man? I think the fault lies on the feminists. CNN reported this on the 28th, how Spain became a hotspot for coronavirus. And they talk about a lot of things, right? It's a few days old. They mentioned that, uh, here, here, look, after examining nearly 6,000 confirmed cases, the researchers discovered that there were already 388 patients in the Lombard. Oh, that's Italy. Okay. Um, so this is, we're talking about Spain. Okay. So basically Spain and, you know, Italy being close together, it bled over, but let's go down to the end here. Here's what they say. Even, uh, the cost of the economy of the lockdown now extended for two more weeks will deepen. The Spanish government is demanding more forceful action from the European Union to finance recovery. And some awkward questions will begin to be asked. The government is already being sued by a Madrid attorney for allowing the March 8th rallies to go ahead. And Kike Matau, now recovering in Valencia, is one of many thousands of Spaniards who are angry. Instead of isolating people, the government invited people to go out to the streets. And this is a huge irresponsibility. But here's why I bring up this last little bit. They're asking the European Union to finance their, their, their recovery. Well, the European Union told you guys not to do this. Y'all went and did it anyway. I don't know if, you know, where the limits should be placed. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter complaining that any violation of the First Amendment is a violation that should not be tolerated. So others point to the fact that we do have responsibilities. The the, the challenging conundrum here, first, let me just wrap up by saying these feminists take the brunt of this responsibility, hands down. But let me just point out in the authoritarian libertarian thing, we, we, we have a responsibility to our communities. But if we just trust the government, how long until they come out and say, oh, oh there's another pandemic. So uh, yeah, you guys can't protest. How long until protesters are out in the street? Everything's normal, right? Let's say everything goes back to normal. Protesters are out in the street and the cops pull up and say, due to a recent viral outbreak in the area, you can't protest. See, that's the slippery slope we don't want to engage in. If the First Amendment is there, then you got to change it if you want to do this stuff. I understand those responsibilities, but that's the conundrum we face. Liberty versus security. I err on the side of liberty for the most part. But I think those, the point about responsibility is, is equally as apt. We all have to take responsibility for preventing this from spreading. And perhaps if you would like to assemble and you get someone sick and you knew you should be responsible to a certain degree. We've seen people charged with really ridiculous things. I'm not saying we should go that far, but it's, uh, uh, it's tough to know where the limits are. I can say at least this much. While I'm not sure if people should be allowed to gather, feminists shouldn't be out protesting in the hundreds of thousands all crammed together six a week after the CDC in Europe said, don't do this, you're going to get sick because, well, now they take the responsibility. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Is there a potential for war based on everything that's going on? It's a serious question, and I've been asked that by several people. China has been blaming us. Iran and Russia and Chinese media outlets have been claiming that it was a U.S. bioweapon that's spreading across the world and that our goal was to, you know, disrupt their economies or cause them harm or something like that. We've heard conspiracy theorists across the board from every country, you know, claim they know what it is. No one, I want to say no one's really sure, but the prevailing idea 
is that it's just a naturally occurring virus. There is some reason to believe that it originated in a Chinese lab on accident that somebody was doing a, uh, this, this is a report from the South China University that somebody had, inve- have, had been investigating bat coronavirus and may have gotten contaminated and thus it spread. But now we have this other story, which, which, uh, which brings me to my, to my question about the war, right? They say, suspected SARS virus and flu samples found in luggage. FBI report describes China's biosecurity risk. At what point do we recognize that China is a great threat, not just in their direct actions, but also their incompetence? There was a story that went viral at the start of the coronavirus outbreak from 2017, I believe it was, that was, con- it was there was concern from the international community that China was opening a level four, you know, bio lab in Wuhan. The concern was that China would not properly contain viruses and other agents which could breach. And then, you know, basically this would happen. Some people believe that it was made there on purpose. Other believes it was breached on accident. We don't know if any of that's true, but we do know at the very least, the international community has been concerned that China does not know how to handle these things properly, which, which, which brings me to this story and the question I asked. At what point do we say we cannot allow them to keep doing this, risking the entire world? Not to mention, look, you make a blundering mistake. What about the camps they're running with the Uyghur Muslims? I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying there should be war. I'm saying at a certain point, something happens and we are getting dangerously close, especially when we hear that in 2018, a a Chinese biologist was stopped carrying SARS viruses in vials. Yahoo News reports in late November 2018, just over a year before the first uh, coronavirus case was identified in Wuhan, China, U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents in Detroit stopped a Chinese biologist with three vials labeled antibodies. The biologist told the agents that a colleague in China had asked him to deliver the vials to a researcher at a U.S. institute. After examining the vials, however, custom agents came to an alarming conclusion. Inspection of the writing on the vials and the, st- and, and the stated recipient led inspection personnel to believe the materials contained within the vials may be viable Middle East respiratory syndrome and severe acute respiratory syndrome materials, says an unclassified FBI tactical intelligence report inta- obtained by Yahoo News. Wow. The report, written by the Chemical and Biological Intelligence Unit of the FBI's Weapons of Mass Destruction Directorate, does not give the name of the Chinese scientist carrying the suspected SARS and MERS samples or the intended recipient in the U.S. But the FBI concluded that the incident and two other cases cited in the report were part of an alarming pattern. The Weapons of Mass Destruction Directorate assesses foreign scientific researchers who transport undeclared and undocumented biological materials into the United States in their personal carry-on and or checked luggage almost certainly present, uh, almost certainly present a U.S. biosecurity risk. The WMDD makes this assessment with high confidence based on liaison reporting with direct access. The report, which came out more than two months before the World Health Organization learned of a cluster of pneumonia cases in Wuhan that turned out to be COVID-19, appears to be part of a larger FBI concern about China's involvement with scientific research in the U.S. While the report refers broadly to foreign researchers, all three cases cited involve Chinese nationals. For the past several months, there have been stories emerging about people at universities being arrested for taking money from China and not reporting it or lying about it. These are people who are sharing research with the Chinese government and they were not telling U.S. authorities about it. So they're, gonna, they're, they're getting arrested. We'll see how far this goes. Now, this is very, very disconcerting. Could it be that the COVID-19 virus, not, not a bioweapon, not, you know, uh, uh, not something extreme, but was Chinese scientists 
fumbling around with materials they did not fully understand or couldn't contain properly, because now we're learning there were fears that they were going to that they were they were going to have a breach. Now we're learning they were actually carrying these things through an airport. In the case of the suspected SARS and MERS vials, the intelligence report cites another classified document that is marked FISA, meaning it contains information collected under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Another case cited in the report appeared to involve flu strains, and a third was suspected E. coli. The FBI does not state precisely what sort of biosecurity risk these cases could present. Actually, it looks like we have, wow, these are images of the vials. This This is incredible. Photos of 11 September 2019 incident. Look at this. They say, uh, substantiation. On 11 September 2019, a Chinese national initially made no positive declarations, but was later found to have eight vials of a clear liquid in their checked luggage at Detroit Metropolitan Wayne County Airport. The vials had no supporting documentation. The Chinese national stated the materials was DNA derived from a low pathogenicity strain of H9N2. However, some of the vials had WSN handwritten on the top and through open source research, CBP determined WSN is an acronym associated with the H1N1 influenza collected in 1933. The material was confiscated and the individual was allowed to travel to Dallas, Texas, where they were traveling to work with a researcher associated with an identified U.S. research institution. This isn't just about one incident. This is documenting several. They mentioned what happened in 2018, but there was another incident on the 26th of May, 2018. I'm not here to speculate as to what this is, what they're saying and what may or may not be. We don't know. But it stands to reason that China is playing a dangerous game with biological materials and not declaring them at the very least. They say, uh, oh, they, they, they mentioned, I was looking at the photo. They don't state precisely what the risk would be, but Raina McIntyre, professor of global biosecurity at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, said the FBI appears to be concerned with dual use research that would be used for bioterrorism. And if the illicit samples cited in the report were being brought to the US, she says, the traffic is likely to be both ways. What am I reading? This is Yahoo News. How do you know what they're bringing in and out unless you have a comprehensive surveillance report? If it's going one way, it's going the other way. You'd be very naive to assume otherwise. This is nuts. Retired Air Force Brigadier General Robert Spaulding, who worked on China issues on the National Security Council under the Trump administration, said there is a threat posed by Chinese nationals carrying biological samples, but believe it believes it's likely the carrier would be someone who is unwitting, making it hard to determine the intent. Some likely could be deliberate to test our ability to identify and intercept. Others could be opportunistic. The FBI report refers to both biosecurity, which typically refers to the, the intentional misuse of pathogens, such as for bioterrorism and, bio, and biosafety, which covers accidental release. The FBI declined to comment on the report. We have experts saying the fears are bioterrorism, that Chinese, Chinese nationals were bringing in potentially smuggling in samples undeclared. This is scary stuff, man. And I'll tell you what, I'm reading Yahoo News right now. It's not some conspiracy crackpot website. Maybe it's fake news. I take all of these stories with a grain of salt, but this is seriously damning information. Concerns about Chinese biosafety are not new. For example, the SARS outbreak in 03 was followed by several incidents of infections caused by laboratory accidents, including eight cases that resulted from mishandling at the Chinese Institute of Virology in Beijing. 
There have been cases in the past where a variant of some kind of flu pandemic had escaped from a laboratory because of mismanagement, said Elsa Kania, an adjunct senior fellow at the Center for a New American Security. The problem is not limited to Chinese researchers, even if those cases have been prominent. Certainly, it is a biosecurity risk when anyone is transporting materials in a manner that is clandestine, because there have been several incidents when this has occurred with researchers of a variety of nationalities. So I don't look biosecurity. It sounds like terror. I don't know for sure. I can tell you this at the very, very least. We got We got to call out China, man. This is this is no joke. If they're if they're having unwitting people carrying samples in look what looks like a baggie in little vials and they're flying on airplanes, if this if this if, if that vial broke, or if there was a breach on the airplane, all of those people traveling all over the world would carry this around and it could infect everybody. And that's the irresponsibility of China at the very least. The worst the worst case scenario is they're doing this kind of stuff on purpose. So that to me is truly the most alarming thing. The story says now with relations between China and the U.S. deteriorating, Huang expects collaboration on biological research to grow even more difficult, reversing decades of cooperation. Quote, I often argue that U.S. engagement with China is the most successful in the area of public health. He said such cooperation even survived the difficult period after the 1989 Tiananmen Square protests. Now, however, those relations are being set back as hostilities between the two countries grow. You could argue health is borderless, especially when two countries face these common challenges. This would be a time for them to collaborate mostly closely. That turned out not to be the case. I don't think so. I disagree. I don't trust China, man. They've got concentration camps. They've been transporting back and forth these vials. We know researchers are lying about the funding they're receiving. We better get a handle on this. The FBI has been investigating this. And I think based on this, it sounds like it goes deeper and it's much more terrifying than we really than, than, than we realize. Look at these photos. For the, It's just I don't know what it says. It says flag PRS, PC DNA, flag PBI. I don't know. WSN. Was it? It was flu, they said. They were carrying around and, and it looks like it's rather un, in, insecure. Perhaps that's what happened with COVID-19. I don't know. But I'll leave it there. This is interesting stuff coming out of Yahoo and I don't know what it means and I'm not going to speculate. We'll wait for more developments. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. The digital media environment is going extinct. Okay, well, not necessarily, but a lot of these digital media publications, mostly the lefty ones, are starting to evaporate as ad dollars collapse. And now this is like the third story we've seen. Actually, this is an aggregate of stories. Coronavirus presents existential threat for news media. Uh, Dare I say it's a threat for those that are obsolete. A lot of these digital media companies can't survive in today's day and age. They were exploiting the Facebook algorithm to make money. And that's true for a lot of people. But we're in a new era. BuzzFeed, for instance, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, they're surviving on subscriptions and BuzzFeed more than ever is asking people to contribute directly. Although I don't think BuzzFeed really deserves it. The Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, I understand why people would want to give money for that to subscribe to those publications, though I'm not a huge fan of the New York Times. But more to the point, there is a saving grace for the media. The coronavirus stimulus package. That's right. Money was carved out for lefty media uh, companies. And uh, I don't know. uh, I know it's like, I think NPR, PBS, and I'm kind of okay with it to a certain degree. But let's figure out exactly what's going on. First, I want to talk to you about the the extinction event. Coronavirus presents existential threat for news media. Axios says, in the first few weeks of the outbreak in the US, local outlets were sounding the alarm over lost advertising revenue from the shuttered local businesses. As the crisis continues, big national media companies say they are bracing for the worst. 
Top media executives have announced rounds of layoffs and cuts to salaries and benefits, and top executives are foregoing pay in the coming weeks. Gannett Media, for instance, employees making above 38000 a year are facing unpaid furlough for one week each in April, May, and June. The CEO will forego his salary for the duration. Other executives will be taking a 25% pay cut. Maven Media, which owns Sports Illustrated, laid off 9% of its staff. High salaried employees will be taking 30% pay cuts. At Disney, they say, uh, you know, a parent of ABC, ESPN, and other brands, they've closed its North American parks to abide by distancing rules. Well, that's, that's Disney. I don't care about that. BuzzFeed will be imposing a graduated salary reduction for its employees. Okay, so we, we, get, we get it. Vice Media is taking pay cuts. People are getting laid off. All right. Other major outlets have warned of, of heavy advertising losses. Now, here's the big picture. While the recently passed $2 trillion stimulus bill will provide relief to some news businesses, I will take a look at that one. Many in the news industry argue it's not enough. Some argue that the journalism sector should have its own stimulus package that would offer direct support for newsrooms, which are now deemed by the federal government and many state governments as essential services. No, thank you. Absolutely not. Maybe. Okay, I'll walk that back. Local news outlets, perhaps. BuzzFeed, Vox, Verge, HuffPo, Vice, get out of here. Those are the ones you know are going to get it because they're the high profile, slime ridden, VC funded trash that has the pull to get it. So no, if you want to put out a stimulus package to give money to newsrooms, let's talk about local journalism. Facebook is funding local journalism. I don't like the idea of what Facebook is doing, but local journalism is legit. Local journalism is the dude who goes on a street corner and says somebody robbed a liquor store. Okay. It's not them screeching orange man bad 24 seven. They say on Monday, the CEO of News Media Alliance, a trade group that represents thousands of newspaper publishers, and the CEO of America's Newspapers, a trade group that represents Central and Southern American newspapers, sent a letter to Trump, Mitch McConnell, and Pelosi saying they needed to begin discussing options for actions the federal government could take to help sustain local news. Local news has been dying for a long time. I don't know if the solution is a major stimulus, but for some of them, perhaps it is. Facebook said it's donating, a, uh, spending $100 million to support news outlets. Twitter said it's donating $1 million to journalism nonprofits. Oh, barf, Twitter. Journalism nonprofits. Yeah, the, the, the fake news, far left organizations that will just vomit. Well, here, word vomit. On the 26th, we learned media and entertainment industries are pleased with the coronavirus stimulus. Why? Because they're getting a hot dollar. Nearly every segment of the media and entertainment industry, including movies, television, radio news, and more, say it feels at least somewhat relieved by Congress's $2 trillion stimulus package. The media and entertainment sector is heavily reliant on out-of-home venues, freelancers, and in-person staffing. As a result, the industry has been completely upended by the pandemic. After days of intense negotiations, they've, dis- they've, they've struck a deal. The deal brings, brings relief to dozens of industries in an effort to ease the economic impact of the virus. Many trade groups are waiting to see if specific proposals make it to the final version of the bill. But so far, provisions that support unemployment insurance for independent contractors and small business loans have the media and entertainment sectors hopeful. Newspapers, especially local outlets, are waiting through a financial crisis as advertising revenues have begun to recede. David Chavern, president and CEO of News Media Alliance, a newspaper trade group, uh, represents thousands of local papers, says the bill's provisions could be helpful to the industry. Now that I'm okay with. I like, no, I like local newspapers. I like local TV stations and all that stuff. I actually think the small business lending provisions could actually prove pretty useful to news publishers. Look at this, all this praise. Many more are small businesses than you think. The uh, Chavern added that other tax benefits and pensions uh, smoothing are helpful. Yes, but whether local news publishers still need something more or different is a matter of internal discussion. 
Broadcasters, both television and radio, seem happy with the relief. The National Association of Broadcasters lobbied in recent days to ensure relief would be available for its radio and television station members, spokesperson Dennis Wharton said. The bill would allow businesses that have 500 employees or less qualify for loans up to $10 million. Wow, really? With loan forgiveness possible if the funds are used to pay employee salaries over the coming months. Really? News media can apply for a $10 million loan off this, huh? Hmm. Certain media organizations. Now's your opportunity. The broader music and entertainment industry. So look, we, we get it. It's going to be going around and media companies are going to be getting uh, a bit of the cash here. So for the most part, it sounds like this is more straightforward. It's not necessarily going to go to, uh, I don't see it going to like digital media outlets. So that's a really, really good thing. My bigger concern is going to be whether or not they give these fake trash rags free money. That I do not agree with. But it sounds like they're going to be eligible for a loan. I don't know how many employees BuzzFeed has, but I don't believe it's over 500, in which case, don't be surprised if BuzzFeed says we want 10 million bucks. It's not really that much money for an organization like BuzzFeed, but it's enough. And they put it towards salaries. I don't like the idea of the government essentially subsidizing trash rag rage bait articles that lies left and right. And that's what we'll get if this money goes out to them. As for local outlets, it's actually a really good thing. So in the main story, we, we do see there's a lot of damage coming to digital media. And here's the big concern I have. Axios is highlighting them as though they're the important sector. So when it comes to journalism, we got real reporters. We got reporters who go overseas, go to conflict, go to crisis. They tell us the truth about what's happening in dangerous places. They risk their lives. To them, my respect. Local newsrooms, they'll tell us about the, importance going, the, the important goings on in our local town. And they won't be screeching for the most part that the orange man is bad. But uh, BuzzFeed? Vice, what, Group Nine, uh, we got like Gavin, uh, 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 what is it, uh, Gannett, and we have say what like you know Verizon, Huffington Post, etc. Nah, man, not these organizations. The fact that Axios highlights them shows you the the unfair weight these organizations have in the media. It's one of the biggest problems we face in dealing with fake news. The internet is its own territory. It's not the same as a city or region. It's everywhere, and because so many people rely on it. It's much easier for BuzzFeed, for instance, to write a fake story where they claim that two black men fought to the death over fried chicken than it is for a local outlet to tell you about the important things happening in government. And yes, BuzzFeed actually wrote a fake story claiming without evidence that two black men fought to the death for fried chicken because BuzzFeed is a clickbait, rage bait outlet. They want you to click because they want to make money. They don't want to inform. They don't want to make you uh, help you lead a better life. Because of this, when it comes to market competition, what are people going to click on? A story from a local outlet that says, you know, your local mayor is corrupt and giving away your money or the orange man is bad. The orange man is national. We're on the Internet. We talk to each other and people would rather, you know, coalesce around the lowest common denominator or a common factor, which would be more would more likely be Trump. So if someone lives in Philadelphia, for instance, and a local politician does something wrong, no one really cares outside of Philadelphia. That means the, the stuff that rises to the top is going to be the BuzzFeed vice style, orange man, bad national level type politics and local media gets crushed. Advertising dollars are going to go to these trash rags and they're going to ask for bailouts. They'll likely get it. And local journalism suffers while these organizations thrive, pumping garbage into all of our ears. It's the sad reality of the media industry. So perhaps, perhaps they do need to go away. Perhaps we should not bail out any of them. And some of these organizations they deserve to become obsolete and fail. 
Private businesses aren't, you know, shouldn't be guaranteed by the government to a certain extent, right? I understand the, the, the point of bailouts. The concern here is that these people would lose their jobs and it'll be bad for the economy. But many of these people were going to lose their jobs anyway, and they're living on borrowed time. A lot of these companies function only off of venture capital and nothing else. And as I stated, they manipulate the public through rage bait, clickbait, trash. And now we are seeing them collapse. This is something I'm not happy with, but it's tough. I've praised the stimulus to the extent that we desperately need it, even even if it is bloated full of trash. If people don't get money, rent is due soon, like tomorrow rent is due. And we're going to see a serious ripple in our economy of really bad stuff. These people who work for these companies also need money as well. But I think their, their, their organizations have caused nothing but harm and damage to our, our society in the past couple of years. They've increasingly uh, made more extreme rhetoric, screeched nonstop for years about Trump, the orange man, our government. They've helped fuel the impeachment, the things that have slowed down our response to this, this, this virus. They have claimed that the, 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 the treatment, hydroxychloroquine, was dangerous. Don't take it. Now it's approved by the FDA. You can't trust these people. They are just creating a fog in a time of crisis. They're the last people who deserve a bailout. I don't know all the answers, man. I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Adios.